Hey everyone, welcome to week three of Gangrene and Goudreau right here on percolatedmedia.net. This is Goudreau here on our weekly New York Jets podcast here on the site. And as you can imagine, I have a plethora of thoughts that I will get into throughout this taping. First and foremost, thank you all very much for listening. Whether you're a Jet fan or not, always appreciate the support and the listens. On the note of things that are happening here on the website, we have taken a brief hiatus on our Tag Team Wrestling podcast. Reason being is that scheduling has been very tough for Garrett and myself to find the time to do those shows. Rest assured, we'll get back to them as soon as we can. But between the end of our Superman retrospective, going back to Star Wars, and starting The Exorcist, there's a lot on the movie front that we're trying to front load and get in the can. Because Halloween's coming up in a little over a month, and that's kind of our priority number A. So we'll get back to wrestling, but I don't have a specific timeline on when the next show is going to drop. So please uh, be patient. We'll get back to it as soon as we can. And that word patience is an applicable word for me to start today's proceedings. And I'm going to let everyone know right now, I'm going to do my best not to yell and get upset. But it's it's going to be a tremendous challenge for me to keep a level head because I'm just, as I sit here on Tuesday the 26th, having a few days to gestate and digest what I watched on Sunday and the fallout. I don't know if I can keep myself composed. I genuinely don't know that. I'll do my best, but I also need to be as um, open about how I feel as I can possibly be. And if you're an optimistic Jet fan at this juncture, this is not going to be the show for you. So. I'll begin by saying this. This show is going to be talking about what led up to the game. I'm not going to talk too much about the game itself. I need to discuss where this team is at primarily and the stuff I heard post-game and their contingency plan, or put that in quotes. So I'm not going to break down the X's and O's as much as I typically do. Because if you've seen the game, there's nothing I can say or break down that someone else has not already done. Whether that's the analysts that watched, whether that's the people who go back and review tape for a living and post it on Twitter, or any group like Pro Football Focus or ESPN. The proof is in the pudding. The writing's on the wall. The evidence is on full display for everyone to see. I'm not going to break down every single play. I just have general statements I'm going to make and I'm going to move on. I also don't know how long this show is going to be because if I tape for two hours, more likelihood I'm going to have a stroke. Going into this game, I was less than optimistic as I made abundantly clear on last week's show. But I will give... Props where it is due, because I don't know if I'm going to have any more handfuls to give out after I make this point. 
this offensive line configuration that played the Patriots game, this needs to be the starting lineup for the rest of the season. Becton at left tackle, AVT at right tackle. Your two first-round picks playing their natural positions. AVT played a good chunk of right tackle last year, looked really good, looked good in this game. Those are your tackles. Your second-round pick, Joe Tipman. I know you drafted him as a center, but he had guard experience, played that in the preseason. Keep him at guard. Start your three youngest players because they showed the most upside when they've played, and it continued on Sunday. So I thought that was a good decision given Dwayne Brown was on IR. This is your best combination. Get the young guys some reps. Give them continuity because these are going to be the guys you run with for the next few years, barring something horrific. That said, as I am recording today, it is now 15 straight losses that the Jets have had against the Patriots. I think that is now the second longest streak in the NFL. I don't know who's who's number one. It might be the Packers over the Bears. I'd have to do the research. And I get it. If I'm Robert Sala, you can't justify or be held responsible for what happened before your tenure. That's certainly not fair, and I'm not going to level that at his feet. But he's got games now, three years under his belt, and he's 0-5 against the Patriots. At some point, you have to take responsibility. And look, I said going into this game, I don't think they'll win. I'll believe it when I see it. And I've seen this for the last three games now they have played the Patriots. Where the defense keeps them in the game. New England over the last three games was held to 38 points. That's an average of 12.6 points per game that they have held the Patriots to. I don't care that their offense is elementary and anemic. In the modern NFL, if you hold an offense, any starting caliber offense, to 13 points, you should win those games. And a sad fact that I read off of some tweet, and there's validity to it, if the Jets scored on league average 23 points per game, that's the league average, over their last 18 games, they would be 15-3. and three. That is a damning statement on this offensive coaching staff. Because they lost this game 15-10. to 10. They put up 10 points. The last game, they only put up 3 points against the Patriots, and I don't even know what the game before that was. I haven't done that research quite frankly. I lived it. I'm not going to go back and watch that crap. It's the same song and dance, where the defense keeps them in the game, and the offense doesn't do enough to get it done. Zach Wilson is now 0-5 against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So he has that in common with the head coach. And I get it. It's not easy to, to play them because Belichick takes these games personally. He always has. He would rather go 8-9, and nine, miss the playoffs, but have two victories over the Jets versus going 10-7, and seven, making the playoffs, and splitting with the Jets. And what pisses me off is that Sala and company do not take these games personally like they should. It's a, it's an embarrassment when you lose 15 straight 
forget the 10 previously, you lose five straight to a division opponent. I'd take that shit personal. Especially when one of those games was New England putting 54 on your ass in your own building. So look at this game in particular. I'm not going to get on the play calling too much. I said my piece last week, and I'm not going to do it again. Because there is an obvious correlation between the play calling and the quarterback. Also an indirect correlation and borderline hypocrisy, which I'll get into with the post-game comments. It's uncreative. I'm not going to argue against that. And the Patriots knew that because the Cowboys gave everyone the blueprint to beat the Jets. Load the box. They're going to run it on first down, run it on second down, and in all likelihood it's third and long and Zach Wilson can't complete a pass to save his goddamn life. It's the same thing. It's a new offensive coordinator. I get it. New offensive line configuration. New receipt. Couple new receivers. But it's the same result. The quarterback is not good enough to get it done. At some point, when are we going to hold the quarterback responsible if you're the coaching staff? And boy, do I have words about that. So the fact that this game came down to a Hail Mary, which was very close to being pulled off, tells you everything you need to know about both these teams. They both suck especially on offense. But I'm sorry, one good drive does not give you a pass for playing like absolute dog shit for 55 minutes. And furthermore, Zach Wilson had three chances in the fourth quarter to win this game. One drive, they were down by three. Then they get the ball back, they're down by five. Touchdown or a field goal ties the game in the first instance or wins it. Second instance, you get a touchdown, you take the lead, and you win the game. Including a drive, by the way, which the last time I believe they touched the ball, they got it back on the 45-yard line with like a minute plus to go. At their own 45, down by five. That was the perfect opportunity for him to show what he's got. But he ends the game. Seven straight incompletions. Last drive of the game, incomplete, incompletion, third down, incompletion, fourth down, completion, but it's a check down to his tight end on fourth and 10 where he's got no chance of making a play on the ball. That's just bad quarterback play. And I'm sick of the excuses. It's the OC. It's the offensive line. I don't want to fucking hear it anymore. When is this coaching staff going to admit this kid can't get it done? How many more games do you need? We've had 24. When they win, it's in spite of him. When they lose, it's almost entirely because of him. Fourth and 10. Hail Mary. Throw it deep to your receivers. No, don't even give them a fucking chance. I'm going to throw a check down to my tight end when there's a linebacker right in his face and he has no chance of making a fucking play. Both of those sacks, including the safety, was because he held on to the ball too long. Go back and watch the tape. He had two checkdowns open, including his running back, the number one safety valve, and he takes a safety in the goddamn end zone. 
Worst case scenario, he does it. Instead of being a three-point game, it's a five-point game. And the defense gives you the ball back again. They force the stop. You get the ball back at your own 45, and you go fucking four and out. Don't give me the O-line played like crap. I saw them giving him time. He averaged over four seconds of protection before he took both of the sacks, including the safety. The first one, he just fell down. Didn't try to make a play. Didn't throw it away. It was a phantom tackle. He was seeing ghosts like Sam goddamn Darnold. Bad quarterback play. I'm seeing him miss receivers. There are guys open. He doesn't see them. He's Helen Keller. He can't see coverage. Can't read coverage either. I've given him every chance. But enough's enough. He's the problem. And I understand there is ego in the NFL. And in life, nobody wants to admit that they're wrong, that you made a mistake. We're all human. It's, I understand it's not easy. I have made plenty of mistakes in my life. I'm a recovering gambling addict. I have done things that I regret in my life, in my personal life. It's it's difficult to admit you're wrong and and, and to move on. But here's the, the thing. What this shows me is stubbornness and ego letting that letting those emotions getting get the better of this coach and this GM. And the signs are there. You saw offensive players going at it on the sideline because they know that they're losing because their quarterback is not good. You think they're showing it on the sidelines? What do you think they're saying to each other in the locker room? Because those conversations are being had. Because they were... The same conversations we had last year. And I hate that it's week three. And I feel like it's Groundhog Day where I'm back in 2022. And I'm having the exact same statements and observations that I had last year. But I'm also at the point now where I can't. I feel sorry for Zach Wilson. He he, he should not be in this spot. And I said all during the offseason. Aaron Rodgers, fine. But God forbid something happens, you need a better contingency plan than Zach Wilson at quarterback. He needed a full red shirt year where he just sits and watches and doesn't play. There were options out there and they all got sucked up. Because like I said, I think it's stubbornness. They handed this kid the starting job in 2021 without giving him a viable backup. Only after he started failing did they bring in Joe Flacco. Last year you had the Mike White situation, which I talked about last year. They let him go because they're so terrified of this kid having any shred of controversy for his confidence and his fucking ego that they coddle him. He's been coddled for three years, and that's on the coaching staff, and that's on the general manager. You didn't bring a viable backup in because you're scared of his feelings getting hurt? Or is it because you're so terrified of admitting that you were wrong in the number two overall pick that you're making the situation worse, compounding it by doubling down and saying, oh, he's our guy. 
You can't sit here and tell me that Zach, and this is Salah's quote, one of several I'm going to talk about for his post-game comments. He said, Zach gives us the best chance to win. You can't spew that garbage out of your fucking mouth and then have me watch the game and see a game plan that is counterintuitive to that statement. Their field goal drive was because they ran the ball eight straight times. They didn't give Zach a chance to screw it up. Most of their play calling, run play, first down. Run play, second down. Third and long. Drop back to pass. You tell me it gives us the best chance to win, but your play calling doesn't show that. Shows me the opposite. Shows you're terrified of letting this kid screw it up for you all. It reminds me so much. Again, it's history repeating itself with the Jets. It's the same shit I saw with Herman Edwards growing up. It's not. He's not playing to. They're not playing to win. They're playing not to lose. And there's a staunch difference. This was a 10-3 game at the half. I think. I would have made the change at halftime. Which is the same thing I said at the second Patriot game last year. But again, I think they didn't. They didn't want to hurt his feelings. They didn't want to swap him out. And if Tim Boyle, your backup. If you're not confident in him being put in the game at halfway, he shouldn't be on your roster. Which again reflects on this coaching staff and the general management roster construction of this team. To not have a better backup in place in case break glass in case of emergency when Aaron Rodgers went down. That was a freak accident. I know. And as I said on week one, I'm not going to put blame on anybody for that happening. It's a freak accident and it's terrible luck. But at the same time, you knew Zach Wilson was not ready. And this locker room turned on him last year. What makes you think it changes in one year? Just because Aaron Rodgers is here? There was this stupid narrative, oh, Rodgers is going to mentor Zach Wilson. He's going to look like a better player. Minuscule changes. I watched him fail to get it done in the fourth quarter. You know how many times? I, if Aaron Rodgers plays this game, they blow the Patriots out. They had any other mid to low tier quarterback like a Teddy Bridgewater or a Jameis Winston, they win this game. I have the utmost confidence in that. And I'm not blaming the defense. Jet fans need to fix their goddamn expectations. We need to stop holding this defense to a higher standard when they give up 13 points and lose. When the league average of offensive production points per game is 23. Should they force turnovers? Yeah, absolutely. There were a couple of missed opportunities. But it's not 2002 anymore. It's an offensive league. It's about the pass game. It's about possession. Time management. Everything, the rules. It's all catered to the offensive side of the ball. And they coach like it's 2002. And they think, oh, we can win with our defense and our run game. Certain games that works, but every quarterback needs to make, you know, those key plays, those key third down conversions. Avoid the stupid turnovers, not miss guys that are wide open. That's where we're at. They have to, the defense has to pitch a shutout basically for this team to win. And that's so obscenely unfair in this day and age. You want to say they're overrated? Fine. 
I think it was wrong for them to compare themselves to 85 bears. That was stupid hype. And it sets an unreasonable target on your back that you already had because Aaron Rodgers was your quarterback. The game was garbage. And I'm embarrassed that I had to watch that crap for four hours. And I saw the emotion from the players on the sideline. I would have loved to have seen it from the coach putting his players in line or having the balls to pull Zach because he wasn't getting it done. And let's not forget, this game could have been a lot worse. The Patriots missed two field goals. Ramondre Stevenson dropped a borderline walk-in touchdown on a screen pass because there was nobody op- nobody near him when he caught when the ball slipped out of his hands. So I'm going to transition now to the coach and his post-game bullshit. Excuse my language. I know I've cursed a lot, but I'm just, I'm beside myself. It's not the fact that it's the Patriots. It doesn't help. It accentuates it. Regardless of opponent. Because I've I've seen the song and dance last year, but it was worse. Last year, if you remember, when Brees Hall went down, with the ACL tear, they immediately went out and traded for James Robinson, another running back. They showed urgency and they showed, we're not going to let an injury to one of our star players ruin the season. We're going to try to make this work. The minute Aaron Rodgers went down, they should have been on the phone with a viable backup trying to make a trade or signing a free agent. That's negligence. And I will reiterate that's ego. And their insistence on sticking with Zach Wilson could very well cost everyone their jobs. Unless they have been guaranteed by ownership that they're sticking around next year because Aaron Rodgers likes them. And if that's the reality, then this team needs to fix their priorities. Because there's no guarantee Aaron Rodgers comes back from this injury. Whether it's because the physical therapy is too rough, or he looks at this garbage and says, you know, I'm not going to put myself through that. It's a reality, and there's no guarantees in the NFL. They need to act like there's still a season, because I can't watch another 14 games of this crap. And I guarantee you, this fan base will not. If you thought MetLife Stadium was emptying out, wait until they get steamrolled by the Chiefs next week. Let me go back to the running back example. They traded for James Robinson last year. Didn't use him all that well, but they made the attempt to show, we are going to try to salvage this season. They didn't do that when Aaron Rodgers went down because they said, Zach's our guy. All right, fine. Go out and prove it. He shits the bed. Sunday. Right down his leg onto his cleats. That's all I've said this postgame. This is not me paraphrasing. He said, stats don't always tell the story. Um, Seven straight incompletions to end the game when you're down a possession, get the ball at your own 45. Stats don't tell the story. No touchdown passes. They were gifted that touchdown thanks to a P.I. call on the Patriots. I get this is a a fantasy football type of world where stats junkies, you know, go crazy over that stuff. 
50% completion percentage ain't good enough. 160-something yards ain't good enough. No touchdowns, not good enough. Second quote, everyone can do better around him. And this is where, when I heard him say this, I almost had a stroke. I felt my blood pressure skyrocket. This is a coach who has preached accountability ever since he's gotten here. Why is it that the quarterback is not held to that same standard? It's everyone else's fault. It's the receivers. It's the O-line. It's the defense. When is it the fact that the quarterback doesn't know how to get it done, is, is incapable of doing so, and is crippling the morale of your team? Quarterback is the most important position, and there is an obvious trickle-down effect. When you're playing opposing defenses who don't respect your quarterback, and you're playing with teammates who don't trust your quarterback and believe deep down because they know he can't get it done. You lose the locker room when you say crap like that. And the fractures are already there because they were in existence last year. It's also very telling when Joe Namath, of all people, rips the current state of the Jets. And he will go out of his way to support every quarterback. He supported Darnold. He supported Geno. He supported Gase. Hard to believe when that shit show is happening. But boy, he went off on the Jets. And, and quite frankly, I don't blame him. I've never heard him that upset. Like, I've seen enough. Salah also said this was the quote that, you know, almost gave me a, you know, I went with a stroke. How about an aneurysm? Said, if they will add a quarterback this week, he said that's a Joe, Joe Douglas question. Fair point. Fine. But he said, and I quote, he, not being Zach, is not the reason we lost yesterday. If I was a defensive player, if I was a receiver, I would I would be so ticked off if I heard my coach say that. Blatantly throwing us under the bus, but not the quarterback. Again, this kid is coddled. Whether that's because the 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 GM doesn't want to admit he was wrong, whether that's because the owner is embedded into this kid and likes him too much because he comes from money, or because the coach doesn't want to hurt his feelings. Regardless, he is the number one reason you lost yesterday. The tape shows it. He also takes issue with the perception that his players are frustrated. If I was Garrett Wilson thinking I was going to play with Aaron Rodgers all year, you know, be a top five receiver, yeah, I'd be pissed too watching that go up in smoke. This kid has the lowest QBR. Every statistical uh, field possible. When the defense gets zero pass rush wins, QBR is 7.6, dead last. Completion percentage, 52%, dead last. Yards per dropback, 4.9. That's without the defense in his face. So that reiterates why I cannot blame this offensive line, which actually played pretty damn well, all things considered. And I said, I'm not going to get on the defense. I'll get more on the coaching staff. This, this stubborn zone defense crap where Mac Jones had all day to throw 
kept taking the checkdowns. They didn't stretch the field. The one time they did, they scored a touchdown on a miscommunication. Shit happens. I can live with it. But make the adjustments for God's sake. Stubbornness and ego is going to cost this coaching staff their jobs if I was Woody Johnson. If I was the owner, I would say this shit is unacceptable. I want Sala to show some actual emotion at his press conference. Because that hard knocks thing from the clips I've seen, that was a facade. Him cursing, you know, F this, F that, you know, all of his speeches and his pull quotes that he gets off of fucking Instagram. It's inauthentic, and I can see right through it. I watched Sean Payton get 70 hung up on him, and he came off as pissed off as you would be if you got embarrassed at your job. And Saul has been embarrassed every time he trots this kid out there and expects us as hard-paying, devoted Jet fans to accept it. By continuing to start Zach Wilson, you are saying, too bad. We're, punt- we're punting on the season, basically. If you don't bring someone in who can run this offense. So I can't hear about culture and culpability and holding players accountable when you don't do it for the quarterback. And it's hurting your team. You can't speak lies into truth. Saying Zach's not the reason we lost. I could say on the air I fucked Jake Gyllenhaal and activated his source code. Doesn't make it true. So I say here in week three, I'm I'm beside myself. And it's not looking better. So if things continue to go bad, if they could keep trotting Zach Wilson out there and he keeps shitting the bed, then I have no business watching. I'm saying right now, if I have to watch this crap for another 14 weeks, I am not doing this show. I can't bring myself to do this. I am beyond numb with watching garbage offense. When every other fucking team in the league, I watched the Cardinals beat the Cowboys. And everyone said, oh, don't blame Zach for not doing well against the Cowboy defense. Cardinals won the game with a guy they signed two weeks before the fucking season started. I'm done. We should not be in this situation. Not because of the Aaron Rodgers injury, but because they should have signed a backup during the fucking offseason like they should have. Instead of trying to shove this kid down our throats. 25 starts is enough time to admit he's a bust. Admit it and move the fuck on. So I'll close with that. When they get blown out by the Chiefs next week and I have to hear Salah say, he's our unquestioned quarterback going forward. Because he also said that at his post game. I can see through lies. I can see through bullshit. There's one thing to call it coach speak. There's another thing when it's gross incompetence and negligence. And it's insulting to this fan base that has suffered for over a decade. You're 12 and 25, coach. Stop puffing your chest out like you've actually done something. Goodrow out. Thank you all for listening.